Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. When, when you have great coaches... Then after you have great coaches, you get great players, you have a great organization, and you tell them one thing. Just no. Good evening and welcome to another episode of the Black Tuesday Podcast. My host, Terrence Spix. We have a special guest, but before we introduce him, let me introduce my co-host, Malik Obi. Obi, what's going on? We got a guest tonight, man. What's up, T? I'm very happy to, you know, have our guest on. Um, you know, the draft season, it's the, you know, it's the time of the year that we love, so it's like, I'm really looking forward to this. Our guest tonight is a former Louisiana Tech cornerback, NFL prospect, the pride of uh, Thibodeau, Louisiana, Amit Roberts. Amit, welcome to the show, man. How are you doing tonight? What's up? What's up, my man? What's up, man? What's up, man? Obi, what is going on, man? I mean, uh, Amit, so far, can you tell <laughs> people what life is like growing up in uh, Thibodeau? I would say, man, it's kind of rough, you know, but there's a lot of kids in that area, man. You know, um, it's a small town, not a lot to do, um, you know, but, you know, growing up, that's all, all I knew was football. Of course, there's violence. Violence is everywhere. Um, you know, like I said before, man, just a small town. Um, not a lot of people make it out. You know, I was just, a, you know, I was just one of the lucky ones. But I ha- we have a lot of, you know, a lot of guys younger than me that's, you know, kind of coming up too. But, you know, I feel like I was the guy um, that, you know, paved the way, you know, throughout the, you know, for the um, for last couple of years. Obi? Um, well, just playing off of that, you know, what, what you know, you got you got a lot going on right now. I mean, you, you're getting prepared for the yeah, draft yeah. and everything. Uh what would you – how would you sum up your time at Louisiana Tech? Like, what, what, how would you remember this time? To sum up my time at Louisiana Tech, um, Tech was Tech was a school that man that that helped me grow. You know, um, you know when I first came in, I wasn't really a vocal guy. Uh, I came in with one goal though. You know, my goal was to first of all, when I first came in, you know, my goal was to get my degree. But uh, most importantly, it was it was to you know pursue my dreams. You know, it was all about business when I first got to Tech. You know, but you mm-hmm. know being with coaches like. Um, Coach Holtz, you know, he molded me into be more of a vocal guy because I was quiet when I first came in. 
um, guys like Chris Burris, you know, mold me into a better player, better man. You know, so overall, I would say my years was great there. You know, I was a guy that didn't really party a lot. You know, I stayed in the film room. I was more of a film rat. Um, worked out hard. You know, like I said before, badly party. So it was strictly business when I went there. You know, it, it, the university also helped me grow up fast. Now, mm-hmm. Amit, you were originally going to go to LSU. What was the interaction between you and Coach Ogeron like to kind of change your mind? Um, for as you know, I you know more of the story, man. I just feel like you know they just say I wasn't good enough. You know, I was well, really not. I, I wouldn't say it wasn't good enough, but I was too. I was too small. Like I like size. Um, but at the end of the day, man, they saw you know they saw my size and my weight. You know, they didn't they didn't see my heart. You know, me and Coach. Oh, you know after the after that, you know after my freshman year, me and him had a long talk about you know the the decision he made and. You know how he should have, you know, um, should have took me in with with LSU. But overall, you know, man, him and I have no bad blood with each other, man. I appreciate. It. Like at the end of the day, man, I have my own journey, and I feel like he's gonna take was the best decision I ever made. Did he regret it? Do you think that he regretted not bringing you to uh, Baton Rouge? Um, of course. That's that's basically what he uh, said. You know, me and him had a great conversation. It's kind of like a, you know, a a funny conversation how he said that, you know, he asked me, it's crazy, a lot of kids ask Coach O for a picture, but he asked me for a picture. You know, he asked me, you know, can I, can you take a picture of me just to show, you know, show his staff, you know, um, you know, to teach him a lesson not to make it, not to make another mistake like that again, which, I mean, that was so, you know, I just let him do, you know. Um, but at the end of the day, like I said, like I said before, me and him don't have no bad blood with each other. I, like, like I said, man, I, I have my own, I have my own um, journey, and I know who's gonna take that was the best decision for me. Okay. I mean, I'm just gonna get into it. Let the people know about your progression. You know, bouncing back. We know you've been, you know, invited to the combine and everything, and we know what your focus and your, where your focus is at. But where are you at? You know, physically. Physically, um, I've I've gained weight. Like they say, you know, they say I was undersized. I've gained weight. Um, I'm sitting at. Matter of fact, I weighed in the day, man, one eighty eight. So, um, mm. far as you know, I didn't got swollen. Of course, I didn't got most mentally stronger in the mind. Um, mm-hmm. and far as the game, man, I got bored. I got a board in my room. You know, like a board that you write on. Now, all I do is sit in there all day. Well, when I have free time after work, I just go over, you know, go over my, go over our old defense just to, you know, just to still be a student, student of a game. You know, um, that's why I would say I'm, I'm at now. You know, so I could be, so I could be prepared for the questions that they ask me. At, you know, while I'm at the combine, since, since I'm not going to be able to perform. Definitely. Now, Amit, when it comes down to one of the things that your film jumps out at despite whatever size issues that people may have, um, you had over 20 tackles for loss. What is it about being able to secure a stop alone that separates you from most cornerbacks? The, the instincts, man. You know, the instincts, but that the instincts kick in for us. We also, you know, just being able to anticipate the play before it even happens. But that also comes with watching film, like I said, but film red. You know, most of the time I use my instincts, but I also, you know, use use what I looked at in, in film for my advantage, being able to slow the game down, you know, because Burrs was a guy that, you know, taught me about that a lot, you know, worrying about offensive tendencies, um, you know, splits, you know. So all that helped me, you know, to, to make those plays, you know. Sometimes I beat, sometimes I know the plays coming, I beat the quarterback in, acting like I don't know, know the plays. You know, so like I said, that's just instincts, man. It's just something I, you know, something I would just, you know, I would just bless with. Obie, what, how hard was it, or was it hard at all to say, you know what, I'm declaring, you know, even though I got another year, I'm declaring. It was, it was kind of, it was, it was a very, very hard decision because at Louisiana Tech, man, it's a strong brotherhood. You know, it's guys and coaches that I never forget. Um, but far as me making my decision, I wasn't. I didn't. I didn't make the decision to like the end. You know, during the, during during the beginning of my junior year, it was basically about winning. You know, because if you winning, 
if you win, you feel me, everybody, everybody get that attention, you know, and I, I was a, more of a team guy. You know, my main focus was to win that conference championship, and unfortunately, you know, we can't start of that, you know, um, and I think, it, you know, I, I think it was time. I think I did everything I can for the university, you know, so I talked to my head coach about it, my position coach, and he understood, you know, and that's how I was, you know, it was easy for me to make my decision from there. You know, I talked to my teammates way before that, but that was just the first step. I knew having to talk to my head coach and my position coach, that was the last piece of the puzzle. Now, with the ability to not just make plays on the ball, you had 48 passes defense, but you also had 14 interceptions and four pick sixes. When you know the ball is in the air, what's the first thing that goes to your mind when you're like, I got this? It's mine. It's mine. It's mine, man. You know, I played a lot of offense in high school. You know, I played a lot of offense in high school. I was recruited as a receiver. You know, I was always taught to, um, you know, how to point the ball. And, I mean, you know, so I just use all those use all those tendencies and techniques for when I'm, a, when I'm on the defense side of the ball. But if the ball in the air, man, it's, it's, it's mine. You know, you don't get, you know, most of the time I understand what the people use, but you don't get your name in the paper for people use, man. You know, I was always taught to get your name in the paper for for, for interceptions, pick six and touchdowns. You know, that's what my position coach, Coach Burris, always, you know, we, me and him always joke about that. You know, if I kind of could catch a pick and I bat the ball around, he'd be like, man, I guess you don't want to get your name in the paper. You know, you don't want um picks you want people use. So, you know, I just try to get my hands on the ball more. Is there is there is there a player that you have or in the past had patterned your game after? Uh, you know, especially with this position switch. You know, is there a player you said, okay, well, this is where I'm 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 getting something from him or somebody else, and just you know trying to use that and put that in, put that into my game. Um, my I would say just just playing the game. Period. Of course, every everybody knows that I idolize my game. Behind time matches because he's a ball hog, he's a playmaker. But far as the corner, cornerback side, you know, like playing, you know, with the technique, you know, I try to admire my game by Patrick Peterson, you know, just the technique, you know, the, the you know, the mindset he has for dominating, um, you know, the receivers on the outside of the ball. You know, he always have great feet, great, great eyes. You know, so I would say it's Pat. But far as me, like being a Football player, period, like flying around, you know, being in, being in the nickel position, safety. I would say Tyron Matthews. I, overall, Tyron Matthews is like, you know, he's like my idol. Now, when you look at the process, and when you were down at La Tech, who was the toughest receiver you had to cover and why? It's crazy that, you know, a lot of people actually, like, a lot, of, everyone asked me that. It's so crazy. The best receiver, I would say the best receiver I went against throughout my college career would be, the crazy sound, it would be my former teammate, um, Adrian Hardy. You know, when I first got in, the, you know, Adrian came from Oklahoma. So, you know, he's, he's highly recruited, you know. He went to Louisiana Tech, and, I mean, we all team we did against, you know, other teams. You know what I'm saying? So, by me going against him every every day, he brings a different. You know, he have great hands, great great routes. You know, so me me being able to go against him every day, polishing up my game, and you know, towards the end of my years, you know, being able to win most of those battles, like you know, I would say he's probably the best receiver I've I've, I've faced out my college career. Oh. Hmm. Um. Is there one since we're talking talking college? Is there one game that you know, what's the what's the game that had the biggest learning? That was the biggest learning experience, or had the biggest impact on you during your time at uh, at, at Louisiana Tech? Um, as far as like mentally, like making plays, or going through, or or like you might have played bad, and you said, okay, well, I need to you know fix this, or this was this was this was oh, the yeah. game where the lesson you you learned the lesson from. I would say um I think our first game I forgot what we played it was it was my freshman year it was my freshman year at Louisiana Tech I think I, I ended up earning my starting spot um that first game I forgot who we played I don't I don't I don't want to mistake I forgot who we played I think it was either South Alabama or Northwest it was one of them um I didn't have a bad game but I didn't play 
you know, the best the best game of of, of my career. Um, you know, my me being young, I thought, well, me being young, you know, I'm like, man, I take them recruit me to play play average, you know. So coming into that next game, you know, I was more, you know, I started watching more film. As a as a freshman, you know, I started watching more more film and coming into that Mississippi State game, I, I would say that's probably, you know, that kind of solidified like you know I was I was different from everybody else on the whole field. Now, okay. a year ago we spoke to an old teammate of yours, uh, Jalen Ferguson. In the last couple of years, Louisiana Tech has produced quite a few NFL prospects. You go back to Xavier Woods, the free safety. You go to I'll uh-huh. Ferguson defensive end. And now you, what is going on in the Russell and what is what are they serving in that water to produce such talent? What's the work ethic? Because that's all you know. In, in Russell, Louisiana, there's not a lot to do. Um, and most of the guys that ended up at, at Russell, I'm just saying most of the guys. I'm not saying Ferg wasn't highly recruited, but some guys, man, you're not, you're not really highly recruited. And Tech always get those, those diamonds. Like, you know, they, they always find those guys that, that have it, it's just everybody else didn't see it in them, you know, and um, guys like Ferg, um, you know, Woods, um, T.T., Trent Taylor, you know, guys like that, like, you know, ain't too many, they don't, like, they, you probably look at them and think they're not as good, but, you know, when you when you cut them a pick, like, you see they kind of stand out, you know, so I, I would see a town like Rustin, man, it just, it just gives like it's not a lot of it's not a lot to really do. So all you could do is focus on your craft. So you know that's and that's how you get better. You know, focus on your craft each and every day, working on those little things. You know, far as guys from I'm not saying every guy from big schools do this, but every other guy from big schools probably going out doing this because they already got that big platform. But when you had a small school, you know, small town like Rustic, man, you you got a point. Oh, definitely. Um. <laughs> Aside from your size, what is one thing that you think critics of your game are wrong about that you want to prove people wrong about? Aside from your size, <laughs> um, I would say uh, that's only, that's kind of probably like the only thing they've been saying is about size. Um, I would say saying that first, first and foremost, saying that, that I'm afraid to tackle. That's impossible. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. A lot of critics think that I'm not as good as people say because of the competition I play. Don't get me wrong. It's a lot of guys from big schools, you know, far as, you know, guys from Ohio State, um, TCU. Like, it's a lot of guys that, you know, every now and then they don't play. Like, they schedule be weak, you know, as – Mm-hmm. as on um, well and they still go first round you know at the end of the day man if you could play football you could play football but uh, you know that's, that's what I would say like my film is not fluke like I I really could play football and I could play corner I could play nickel and I could play safety and I'm not afraid, afraid to tackle and that's what I would like to say to the to the uh, critics yeah. now as someone from Thibodeau we're going to take it sideways for a second when what was your favorite road trip when you left going to like when you left Tech and y'all went on a, a road trip as far as going to play an opponent? Where's your uh, where's your favorite opposing stadium? Say it again, I can't really hear you. Your favorite stadium on the road to play? Oh, my favorite song, like like my favorite song. 
No, your favorite uh, stadium. When you guys went on the road to play a road game, where was your favorite stadium to play? Oh, um, I would say, um, it's out of it's out of Louis, it's out of LSU and North Texas. I think my sophomore year when I blocked that kick, North Texas man, it was it was it was rotting. But also LSU was kind of it was kind of kind of nice too. So I would say it's kind of fifty fifty in between LSU and North North Texas. Over. Which teammate, any year, any time, which teammate do you feel like you learned the most from? Oh, I would say a teammate I learned the most from. I, I, learned, a mo- I learned a lot from a lot of guys. Um, I would say, I would say Daryl Lewis. Yeah, I would say Daryl Lewis. That's the safety. He's a he's a film writer as well. That, honestly, that was the guy when I first came in. I asked my coach. Kevin Curtis, he's also he's a coach, and I at SMU. I asked him, um, you know, I told him that I want, I, I told him my vision, I told him I wanted to be great, and um, he told me to get with Daryl. You know, Daryl Lewis was a guy that, you know, he was a walk on. Um, you know, he ended up being a three, I think, a two or three year starter at Louisiana Tech. You know, he stayed in the film. You know, he he knew he knew football and. In order, you know, in order for me to be the student in the game, I, you know, I feel like a, a guy like that had to put me under their wing, and, um, you know, I mean, look where it got me, you know. So a, a guy that I would say I took a lot from, I would say Daryl Lewis. Now, when you mentioned uh, Kevin Curtis, was that the same uh, Kevin Curtis that played in the league? Say it again. When you mentioned your coach, uh, Kevin Curtis. Was that the one who played in the league, or was that a different uh, Kevin Curtis? I th- I, I'm not sure. I, I, I don't want to lie. I don't know for sure if Kevin Curtis played in the league. I know Jeff Burris played in the league. I don't really know if Ke- Kevin Curtis played in the league. There you go. Jeff, that's right. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff Burris did play for uh, Notre Dame. That I do remember. Yeah. He, was, yeah. Yeah. he was a good yeah. back in the day. I Jeff Burris. I didn't know if Kevin Curtis played. How how you know how would you I mean I know you're not going to be able to participate but just how surreal did it feel to finally you know after all these years to to say okay I've been recognized to the point where I got a combine invite. Uh, it's it's crazy as it sounds. It's something I kind of expected. I worked I worked my tail off from since I was in middle school. I'm talking about like. Or I was like waking up like with seven eight grader, you know, waking up early in the morning by himself without someone telling him to get up. With seven eight grader, you know, waking up five o'clock in the morning, four o'clock in the morning, doing stadiums like working out by himself, like while everybody sleep. Like one probably at the most one car passing on the on road. Like ain't too many seven or eight graders was like doing it, you know. So I, it was it was a vision that I dreamed of for a long time to be able to. But that was just you know that was just one step up. You know, just to be able to be invited at the combine. And when it was taken from me, it was. I mean, I, I mean, I took a go, but I'm, I'm just not. You know, I'm just not really competing. It, but at the end of the day, it's all good. You know, um, God don't make mistakes. God, you know, sees a, sees the bigger picture. You know, so you know, I can't, I can't wait, I can't wait. You know, to see what those guys have as a store for me. Now we've dealt on the football aspect. I want to talk about just life in general. Um. When you're back home in uh, Thibodeau, what's your favorite place to go out and eat, and what do you have? Oh, <laughs> uh, I forgot this. What this place called? I would say this place. I would say um. When I go home, the best place. I forgot what this smokehouse called, man. I forgot what it's called. Well, I, yeah, I forgot what that place called. But I would say my second the best place called is is Lens. It's like a Chinese place, you know. I take my, you know, me and my family go, you know, we go to every every now and then when I'm at home. It's like a buffet. Yes, sir. What's your favorite thing on 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 their menu? What's the thing that you can just eat all of? The the um the <laughs> the braids, man. Like those those um. The braids, the shrimps. I mean, they they got ball shrimp. They got crawfish too, man. I I would say crawfish. Crawfish is a, is a yeah. I would, I could eat all day. Crawfish. That's what I would say. Crawfish. Opie, what you got for my man? 
Is Young Boy the best rap out? Coming from somebody that's from, you know, from Louisiana, is Young Boy the best rap out in your opinion? Um, a lot of people are not gonna like this. I would, say, in my opinion, no, because you know he basically like he's a high. Don't get me wrong, he's he's good for his age, man. You know, you no, know, I I respect you know I respect him, but in, in my opinion, I think the best rapper is Meek Mill. So that that's my that's my favorite rapper. You know how you speak how. You, He's speaking of struggle, like it's like he make you feel it. He he, he makes you go into deep thoughts. Like I, it's not too many times I put on Young Boy while I'm working out. It's, it's a lot of times that you know a lot of people people put on Meek Mill because he's more of a motivational guy. You know he's a motivational right. guy. So I would say Meek Mill. Definitely. Now we talked about the best stadium experience that you had on the road. What is the worst stadium experience you had on the road? The one place you're like, I never want to go play there again. It was awful, and I couldn't stand it. Um, I would say UTEP, man. It's, the, it's, it's, it's hard to breathe. It's hard to breathe. Oh, yeah. It's like when you flying around, when you flying around a field, man, you, it's like I don't never take – like I don't never take plays off. You know, I don't never come out the game. Or, at, Louisiana Tech is often that you see me come out the game. But UTEP, man, I'm like, I need a breather. Like, I couldn't breathe up there. So I would say UTEP, like, I was like, I never want to come back and play here again. Yeah, so I would say UTEP. Over. So, what, I mean, you just seem really grounded. I know a lot of times it's, it's, it's past experiences and, you know, mom or whoever. But what, what would you, what would you contribute to your maturity and in, 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 in your focus right now, your level of focus? I would say my son. I would say my son. You know, he, you know, he also helped me grow fast. You know, having the son at a young age. You know, you're back against the wall. You know, thought I had to throw, you know, throw my dreams out the window, but you know, fortunately, you know, my dad was able to, you know, help me through that through that trouble stage. Um, so I would say my son, like, you know, when I held him in my arms, it was like, you know, now I have a purpose, and I have a why. You know, to why I'm doing what why I'm doing this. You know, so each and every day I'm out there, it's like I could be, instead of me partying, that's like taking, taking you know, food off my son's plate, you know. Um, instead of me partying, I'd rather be out there doing, I'd rather be doing something productive as far as working out or watching film, doing more bull work, you know. Any, anything positive to help me, you know, um, be the best I can be, you know, and pursue my dreams and also help my son in the future. So I would see my son. Now you said that you weren't a a big partier, but when when the draft comes around, are y'all gonna have people at the house, or you just be, or is it be real like chill and laid back, or there'll be like a a cookout at the at the place? Um, I I would say yeah, I'm be more not really laid back before you know just having my family. Of course, you know that's just just a day that you can't really you have to cherish that day because that's when all your hard work pays off. But I mean. It's just a, you know a day for us you know just get the family together, uh, more late not don't do too much but more laid back but just just to make sure all my family level to like see it happen, you know so I wouldn't say uh, like a party but you know more of a laid back you know barbecue or whatever. With the well, what's on the gr- what will be on the grill when y'all out there you know? Also, do you do like a big uh, crawfish boil? Probably most likely. Probably most likely. I mean, everybody loves crawfish, so if you boiling crawfish, everybody coming, the whole family coming. So yeah, I would say crawfish. Yeah, we probably gonna boil some crawfish. Um, put some, you know, patties on the grill, chicken on the grill, whatever. I I eat all that. I know my family eat all that too. So you know, most most likely that's what we gonna have. Obi, when now when you get drafted, you know what I'm saying? You get drafted, you get your first check. What's the you know, aside from a house, what's the first thing that you would buy? That's something hard because, like, as far as me, I'm more of a, you know how some guys, like, they they spend money on themselves. Like, me, I'm more of a, like, my family, oh, okay, I love the game of football. But far as, like, me, go, me playing, like, me playing a game of football, I know that comes with, with money. But, like, money was never, like, I'm, I was always more of a giving more than taking care of myself, you know, so I don't know. That's that's something I don't know. That's something I don't know. Definitely. Now, when you look at it, and I know that, like you said, you are definitely a 
a, a Thibodeau guy. As can you explain to people how interesting it is being from there and being from like Homa? Can you explain to people how wild uh, Homa, Louisiana is? Oh man, Louisiana is wild. You know, you like I said before, man. You got violence that that you know you got violence, drugs. You know, and and like you growing up seeing all this, like you you physically, like you your cousins, your uncles, your you know, like you see it each and every day. You know, so growing up in Louisiana, man, you just gotta you gotta do what's best for you. For as me, like I just did what's best for me. I you know I stayed in my lane. For as me going to school, good grades, playing football, like I wanted, I I didn't want to get the respect from from you know, all the guys in the streets and all that by doing what they was doing. I wanted to earn respect from everyone from doing something that I enjoy doing, you know, taking my own route, you know. Um, so, you know, I would say growing up in Louisiana, man, it's, it's, it's hard, especially in Thibodeau, small town. Not a lot of people make it out. Like, you don't get opportunities at all. You know, um, a lot of guys from the, from the New Orleans area mostly get the, get the, you know, they get the publicity. So, um, you know, I, like I said, I was just the lucky ones, and I was the one that just paid the way for everybody else. About 25 minutes from uh, Thibodeau, there's a little town called Homa. I had a quick story. Uh-huh. long time ago, when I was in my 20s, long, like half a lifetime ago, I, I, I dated a woman from Homa, and it was time to uh, break it off. She looks at me and says, I was just kidding about trying to stab you in your sleep. That's when I knew it was time to go. Like, <laughs> when it comes to <laughs> when it comes to life in how life is moving so fast for you, are you surprised how far you have come? Some, some. T- that's hard. Sometimes, I'm I'm very surprised because like out of everyone me, you know, why out of everyone me? But like I said, man, I just trust in God. You know, I'm always, you know, I'm, you know, I know He's always in my favor. So, you know, this is just something I just have to take advantage of. You know, like I said, not not a lot of guys from my area, not not anyone from my area really get that, you know, be able to make it this far. So I think I. I just feel like I got to be the person that take advantage of it, you know, and, and that's why I watch my every move. I make sure every move I make is a smart move, you know, because I don't want to jeopardize my future. Just je- je- jeopardize the hope I gave to my whole community, you know, so that's why I move right and I pay my cards right and I, do, I, and I try to do everything right. So, you know, I know you got so much working on, on the field, off the field, getting ready you know, for the combine and everything, but what is some what is something or something that you do to just, you know, ease your mind? You know, you know, I know, you know, of course with your son and everything, but like what are some of your hobbies and things that you do to take your mind off of the stress of everything going on right now? Um, I would say honestly, honestly, now, you know, it, at first, when I couldn't really physically do everything, I would say music, watch a movie, or do do board work or whatever. But now, you know, I don't really be stressed. I don't really be stressed out now because I see, I see my process is kind of getting getting better now. So I would say now, if I was to be stressed out now, um, you know, about about anything if something was on my mind, I would say I would just you know put my headphones in and work out, like work out and you know release all that stress. And I know for a fact I'll be good after. You know, I'd be good at it. I think working out was always something that I always lean back on. Even when that tech when I was going through a lot, I just worked out. And I worked out and, you know, just being around football, that's my happy place. Definitely. Now, I mean, before we let you go, I'm sure you got a lot to get done. We want to thank you, but I got one more question, and then Obi have one, and we'll let you go. No um, what is the one thing that if someone didn't know who you were, if you could describe your approach to the game of football in one word, what would it be? Say it again? I could, it was kind of static. If, if you could describe your approach to the game of football in one word, what would it be? 
I mean, for me, how I describe the game of football, for me. Like, if you could, yeah, your approach. I feel like I, I approach the game of football like it's my life. I cherish it. You know, I think about it. It's, it's, it's like I'm married to it. It's like I need it. You know what I'm saying? It's like, cause like, I don't know, I don't know what I would be without football. Like, I don't know, I, it's, I don't know what I'd be without football, and I don't know nothing else. Of course, I, you know, of course, I, you know, I'm a great kid in school, but like, I mean, football is all I know. Like, you know, I, I just feel like, like, what's the best feeling? You playing the game, of, of course, like I said before, I know money, you know, that just comes with, with you being successful in, you know, playing football, but like. I would play the game of football like honestly without the money. Like I would I would play as long as I can without the money. Like I just I just I don't know, I just can't can't I can't explain it. Like I just love the game of football. It 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 means everything to me. Obi, you got one last question for me before let me go. Yes, sir, yes sir. Um so you know, let's say, you know, five, ten, twelve you know, 15 seasons down the road. I, I wish you the longest career possible as long as you, as long mm-hmm. as your heart is in it. But after, you know, after football, what's one thing that you would, that you would really love to do when you have the money, the resources, everything that you would love to do with your time after football? Um, probably own my, probably own my own trucking business or, uh, be an analyst. You know, like I said, I want I want to still be still be able to be around the game of football. So either an analyst or maybe you know on my own trucking business. You know, me and my pops talk about that a lot. So I would say you know either like I said before, either NF, I mean either analyst or owning my own trucking business. Definitely. Your your pops is a trucker. Yes, sir. My father was a trucker too. He he drove uh, semis from Connecticut. To Syracuse or Florida, and there's nothing like this was back when they didn't have the uh, sleepers in the back. We had to stay in these little hotels, and it was like uh-huh. the bumpiest trips, but the longest road trips ever. That is the best yep. life. Yep. Amik, yep. we want to thank you. We we, we want to thank you for joining us, and we wish you the longest and longest, most successful, best career Healthiest. you can possibly have. Healthiest. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate y'all for having me on. Good luck to you, my man. God bless. All right. Obi, that was that was good, man. That was I like that interview. That was that was fun. Yes, sir. He, I mean, you could just tell he's very humble. You know what I'm saying? He's 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 focused, man. Like laser focused. You know, I reached out to him and said, "Look." You know, I want you to do You know, like I told you, I'm just reaching out to people. Say, yeah, I'll do it. Yeah. Come on, wait. You know what I'm saying? It's so. a sign of what we – now, we got about, I'd say about a half to kind of get some stuff together. I got questions for you, my man. Like, sure. various topics, various situations. First, we first and foremost – yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. We are still on. People are still hearing my raggedy-ass voice. Um. <laughs> But let me ask you this. When it comes to your tell, – tell us about the book. Tell us about the book you're writing, man. Like, when did this come out? And give us details, man. Shit, floor is yours. All right, so, you know, I'm, 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 I'm trying not to be an impulse guy, but sometimes I just get that, that feeling. And it's just – you know, when something drives me, I just go all the way in at it. And – when that news came out about the HBCU Combine, I have been flirting with the idea of a story related to HBCU football players um, for a while, and I started writing some stuff a few months ago. And when that story, you know, came out about the NFL holding the HBCU Combine, for those of you that don't know, in Miami at the Hard Rock Stadium next month, I just said, nope, that's it. I just went right on the computer and I started writing, you know, so. Uh, the book is going to be called <clears throat> the book is going to be called Small School, and it's an HBCU uh, NFL story, and it's 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 just it's not even just about HBCUs, but it's about the premise. The overall premise is that you know what I'm saying we have more than enough examples of players that said, "I'm going to take myself from this school 
and I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna create a legacy. You know, I'm gonna be the person that, that creates the legacy. I'm gonna be the legendary number. I'm gonna be the reason why other players, you know, are recruited here or or, or commit here. And that's the thing that people need to understand. And and I'm really tailoring this, this towards the, the 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 15 and well, let's say the 14 to 22 demographic because they need to understand that you know wherever you go the opportunity is there yes there's some politics in it yes a lot of times you know but we we've seen plenty of examples man you know how much tape we watch of guys every year coming from the smallest of schools that that are out here by word of mouth you know what i'm saying and then that person gets on and then they're able to to to, to get the next person like i use north carolina ANC as an example all the time the only FCS school with three consecutive players drafted, and they might have two this year. You know what I'm saying? Um, my school, Morgan State, not having a player drafted in 16 years since Vasante Shanko. You got one in Josh Miles who was on the show last year. Now I got two to three this year that might go. And then not even just the HBCUs. I mean, you got Carson Wentz. You got Jimmy Garoppolo. You got Joe Flacco. I mean, Joe Flacco really started off for Delaware from 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 my generation. I, I'm not thinking about guys in the '60s, '70s, '80s. You know, I'm talking about from my generation. Joe Flacco, University of Delaware. And when I went to uh, Delaware last year for Nazir Adderley, you know, he was the talk of the town. I mean, he was he was he was arguably the number one rated safety last year. And this guy was from Delaware. You know what I'm saying? Uh, and we see so many examples every year. I mean. Ali Marpet, uh, uh, you know, a D2 uh, guard that's in the NFL. That's, you know, a low, a level below a star, but could be a star in this league as a guard. I mean, it's so many examples. It's so many examples. And what people need to understand is the schools that are powerhouses or becoming uh, powerhouses in football or becoming, notor- you know, uh, notarized for sending a lot of players to the league, some of these schools just got like this 10 to 15 years ago. I mean, we just had a guy on here, Amik Robertson, Louisiana Tech. I mean, come on. Louisiana Tech has built their reputation up as, as, as being somebody to watch in the last decade or so. But you got guys like Jalen Ferguson, Carlos Henderson, Amik Robertson, Robertson. These guys are, are changing the culture and changing the future. This was a guy that was supposed to go to LSU, and then he went to Louisiana Tech, and now all of the people are talking about him. He's becoming a household name in terms of draft season. You know what I'm saying? This is somebody that people are going to say, okay, well, this is somebody we really need to watch, Louisiana Tech. If you told me to watch a Louisiana Tech game 20 years ago, I couldn't, for one, because we didn't have the availability that we have now to be able to see all these games. And, two, I probably wouldn't. You know what I'm saying? So it just goes to show. So that's what the premise of the book is about. It's about reaching that demographic, but it's also about reaching the ignorant people that don't understand that uh, every player is different. You know what I'm saying? You you scout or you you know you watch or you give the player the chance, not the helmet. You know, if that was the case, nobody would ever you know care about Florida players. If that was the case, then C.J. Henderson wouldn't be a first rounder because. Uh, Reggie Nelson and 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 Aaron Hernandez and all of these guys and all the stuff that they had going on at Florida. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick, so I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Now, when you look at the sport in general, when you look at the process, especially in the book, and, you know, this how you are able to start writing a book and you and you watch the draft process and you watch uh, 
mm -hmm. the talent, the talent evaluation. When you see bad takes, or when you see takes you don't agree with, you are one of the few people who can actually calmly, respectfully like disagree. But when you see right. analysts questioning a kid's character, as far as about 10, 11 years ago, there was a guy named Nolan Iraqi. Still works for the NFL, like still works for Pro Football Weekly or whatever. He had a bunch of pointed things to say about Cam Newton being selfish, and Cam Newton wins humanitarian awards in Charlotte for giving back the community. When you see these things, do you think that some of that is jealousy, or do you think that scouts know that if they don't put their name on it, they will just hide behind it and act like cowards? Well, you know what? It's kind of you know, like I said, it's well, it's 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 a touchy thing, and the thing about it is, is like you got a guy like just like you can when we talk to me. I mean, I think that the listeners will agree. Everything he said, you can hear the hunger, you can hear the pain, and everything that he's been through, and why this is so important to him. Why it's so important to him for himself, for his son, for his family, for everything. And what people don't understand is that. It's our job to say, okay, not wear the you know the rose colored glasses and say, oh, this guy's perfect just because, or because we can get an interview, or because he can be our friend, or whatever. You you the the goal is to you know to be realistic and critique, and you know all of that. But sometimes I feel like that when it comes to the quote unquote character issues, a lot of things that people don't understand about how things go. And I'm going to use a guy for example. I'm not talking about his case or whether I think he was right or wrong for getting off or whatever. But I'm going to use it as an example. Now, Marquise Ford was a Rutgers commit that was kicked out of school for uh alleged sexual assault case that never went to uh, that he was never um, uh, convicted for. From there, he went to Jones County uh, College, uh, where he played with Javon Kinlaw and Markel Winters and others. And from there, he went to Bethune Cookman, and now he's in his draft class. Now, he's going to be questioned about that. You know what I'm saying? Same thing with Antoine Winfield Jr. These guys are going to be questioned about things that happened in their past. Now, what we need to look at is the understanding of how these things work. Now, there are guys that have done some heinous things in their past. When the draft process comes up and is right, people rightfully so question it and bring up their character issues, they have to show more so maturity and growth and understanding and remorse than anything. Because they did it, and especially because of the fact that they have had several instances or incidents in the past. But there are some guys that, you know, made a mistake or wrong place, wrong time or whatever, and people are going to judge them for that. Now, my overall point is these guys worked their entire lives to get to this moment. Most of these guys are between 18 and 22 years old, maybe even younger now. And, you know, I think that every, you know, when you talk about character, you really got to be careful about, you know, you know how you, how you talk about some people because if you're not looking at the facts and considering what your work can do for somebody's future, it's dangerous. You know, I could tell you about why I don't like a player's game all day. But, I mean, it's the same thing with the Kobe situation right now. You know what I'm saying? There are people that have, like Charles Barkley, for instance. I mean, we, we, we're talking about character here. We're talking about a guy that's going to be remembered for a lot of things besides his basketball career. What gives him the right to talk about Kobe the way he did? You know what I'm saying? And, and, and the things that he said. 
and, and things that he's brought up as if he's innocent. I just think that a lot of people need to understand that when you got situations, and especially sexual assault, that's something I take very serious and something we talk about a lot of times. When you do something to that degree, then you deserve everything that comes to you, and you and you deserve to face the punishment and everything for that. You know what I'm saying? But there are some things that people look at as character issues that really disgust me, like, the whole guys thing with his brother being in prison and this and that and the other that didn't have anything to do with him. When you talk about that as a character issue, I think that's 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 racist. I think that's prejudice against people from lower income communities and stuff and saying, you know, basically I'm I'm blaming you for for, for, for your environment. And this guy has done everything he possibly could to get to this point. And he's being held to a standard because of where he lives at. You know what I'm saying? And and ultimately, the things that he's avoided on his path to get here. You know, now, it's a difference if you have, like, a Michael Vick sort of situation where you got your friends up there every day and, you know, you're, you're, you know, you're doing things that, you know, you shouldn't be doing. But I think the term gets thrown around too loosely. If there are guys out here with real, with real legitimate character issues, you're out here sexually assaulting and harassing women. You're beating women. You're stealing, uh, you know, I'm not talking about booster money. I'm talking about you're stealing. You're doing things of that nature that's, you know, things that you wouldn't, you know, consider high character in the real world. Then so be it. But some of these times, sometimes I think that those the term is thrown around way too loosely. Some of these scouts don't really understand where some of these players have come from, even though they have played the same game. Some of these players come from desperate circumstances where you look at it and you're like, they just want to put food on the table. They, they just want to get out of the situation and make the situation better. You heard the, just like you said, you heard the strength in Amish's voice where he wants to enhance the life of not just for himself, but for his kid, his family, and his community. That's one of those things that Scouts don't really understand because they are so removed from being hungry. Like, I'm sure they have gone years without worrying about how food's going to get on the table. Yep. Now, before we get out of here, um, I got one more question. Okay. You wrote an art. You wrote an article, which I honestly think is one of your best work. Like, regardless of genre, regardless of topics, I read it today. It was six hundred words. Bless the people with the topic. Can you say that one more time? I'm sorry, I was going in and out. You wrote an article today, that actually was mm-hmm. published today, that was six hundred words and some of your best work, regardless of genre or topic. Bless the people with the details. So uh, thank you. First and foremost, I was I I started off as an intern. My first internship was with the Afro newspaper, the longest running uh, African American newspaper in the world in the in the country. And I started interning there in college um, at the Baltimore uh, re, uh, at the Baltimore se- uh, sector of the paper. And um, I reached out to the DC uh, sector because. Um, tomorrow, the mayor, uh, Muriel Bowser, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser, is going to sign a bill making Go-Go D.C.'s official music um, sound, official sound, the official music of Washington, D.C. And, T, we talked about this before. I mean, if I didn't tell you that, you would probably think that something like that was already in place, you know? But. Mm-hmm. This is a long time coming for something that was developed, a sound that was developed well over 50 years ago. You know what I'm saying? So uh, for, for for people that don't know, Go-Go is the heartbeat of D.C. I mean, you've heard Go-Go and you might not even know it. You might know a lot about it. You might have heard it from a buddy in the Army. You might have heard it on, you know, EU doing the butt from school days or uh, Salt and Pepper. Yes, sir. Or, <laughs> uh, you know, 
or A. Marie, One Thing, or Beyonce, uh, Crazy in Love, or Jill Scott. I mean, I can name the songs. I can go on the mainstream songs, you know what I'm saying? Um, or you could be right here in D.C. and, and, and know, like, Chuck Brown, Bustin' Loose, which was, I, you know, I didn't even know Chuck Brown was, Bustin' Loose was the number one song, R&B song, period. I mean, number one song, period, on the R&B charts in 1979. You know what I'm saying? So I had to sum up the importance of that event and why it, why it needed to happen and why it needs to happen now. And, you know, we got some visit, listeners that they've been to the old D.C., but they might not have been to the D.C. that exists today, the D.C. that is being built up because there's no way to build uh, horizontally. Uh, the D.C. was mass transplant not only from other cities but from other countries. The D.C. that had to fight back against a man complaining about the iconic Boost Mobile store, which we talked about, that plays go-go outside loud for years on Florida Avenue at the intersection of Florida Avenue uh, across the street from Howard uh, Hospital and Howard University. And from that moment, that uh, moment of plan, uh, you know, that that moment of... Uh, protest turned into a summer of of outdoor concerts for free and uplifting moments for the youth and for, you know, the elders alike of the Go-Go community or of the D.C. Uh, community, black, white, Hispanic, everything, and, and Maryland and Virginia as well. Um, and, and it was, and, and I had to find a way to sum up my experience, my love, my, you know, our grandparents' love, our parents' love. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and you know, I don't know I, I don't know many other genres where it would be cool for a father and a son to go to a concert or whatever together. You know, here and, and I say that, you know, I'm not talking about when your dad is 16, you're 35. I'm talking about here where, you know, father and son, the father might be, you know, the father might be 43, the son might be 20, and they're going to see Backyard together. You know, and it's just that it's just like that. You know, same thing for mother. You know, uh, you know, you go to so, all shoot all my childhood. You go to Stone Soul Picnic in D.C., which is iconic at RFK Stadium, and and everybody out there got their lawn chairs to see Chuck Brown. I don't care how old you are, it's Chuck Brown. You know what I'm saying? And just like it's not even just the music; it's the culture. It's it's, it's the clothing. It's the sound it's everything when you hit a home run, when somebody hits a home run in national stadium since the nationals came back from being the expos it's always been chuck brown busting loose uh played as a, as a home run anthem when the, when, the, when whoever hit it is around the bases it's deeper than you know as rick ross says it's deeper than rap so i had to find a way to 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 describe that in 600 words as a free story, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna go to this event tomorrow, and I'm gonna be there with some people that have. It's gonna be some icons there. It's gonna be Junkyard Band there. You might be familiar with Junkyard Band from their time on Def Jam when they put out the hit songs like Sardine. You might be familiar with EU Experience Unlimited and Sugar Bear from, like I said, from from school days and their time when they were signed. Rare Essence. I mean, it's going to be legends like that, but it's going to be people that's my age and people even younger there to celebrate something this important. Because you got a museum in the National Amer- Museum of African American History and Culture, which was opened a few years ago, and every basketball team from the NBA was coming to visit that museum um, when they came to play the Wizards. And you got people from all over the country, all over the world, coming to visit that museum. And when they get to the fourth floor, they see the the, the um, different genres of music created by African Americans, and they see go-go. And for the museum to recognize that, you know, to be built and recognize that before the actual city was disgusting, and this is something that needed to be done. And it's the very least that Mayor Bowser could do because she doesn't give a shit about anything else that has to do with the uh, lower-income community, whoever ain't rich. But that's another story. And it was a piece that I felt that only I could write. I mean, I'm so, listen, I'm, uh, I first reached out to the Washington Post, and they didn't get back to me. And I just said, you know what, I'm going to go home. I'm going to go back to the Afro. When it comes to Washington and when it comes to that music, you that, that 
that article is a must read for anybody. Actually, when we step out of here, I'm going to retweet it again because it, it was it was a damn good read. I like reading about uh, GoGo because GoGo has a special like song that you saw in Pepper just has that memory of there's a story there that it's for another time. I think I've got myself in enough <laughs> trouble with stories tonight. <laughs> Woo, but um, <laughs> um, before we get out of here, can you tell people what you're working on this week and where they can find you on social media? Definitely. So um, actually I'm working on right now uh, a couple of things. So the DC, you know, everybody doesn't know, the draft guide is out. If you follow me on Twitter at O-B-E-E, the number one N-E, that's O-B-1, uh, my pinned tweet is my draft profile, two parts, um, top to bottom, all the players that are, you know, scouted, and check that out. But um, I'm working for some uh, Raiders uh, pieces as well as XFL, so the XFL, everybody knows I cover the D.C. Defenders. So with the D.C. Defenders right now, um, they are arguably the best team in the league. So Preach. I'm uh, currently working on a piece about, uh, you know, Jameis. Uh, I mean, God damn, I did not just say Jameis. Cardell Jones and uh, the weapons that he has around him. And, uh, and, and and just looking at statistics and the facts of what's going on right now. And then I'm going to uh, be working on – I'm waiting until after this week when the defenders go on the road, um, looking at the numbers. And just an uh, overall piece that I've been working on bit by bit, uh, a couple of days per week, about why the XFL has staying power. And as long as they can stay in their lane – but also expand and appeal to a certain type of football player. Why I feel like this league has uh, unlimited potential and why I feel like people need to stop being so critical and just enjoy football, you know what I'm saying, and just and just take this and enjoy this moment. Because right now, honestly, the only thing that's really supposed to be on football, I mean, uh, on television is, is, is we're getting ready to watch baseball. But we have the privilege to watch some pretty high-quality football and by the time baseball even really comes back, we are going to be looking at really playoff uh, XFL football, you know? So that's how I feel about it. There you go. Uh, you can find me at T-Bix. It's capital T, capital B, lowercase everything else. we got draft profiles this week as we're doing a lot of uh, quarterbacks. We had Anthony Gordon today. Tomorrow we'll have Cole McDonald. But to Obi's point about the XFL, just before we step out of here, through week two, the week two XFL our ratings were 2.262 million average viewers with a high of 3.381. Last year, this time at the AAF, they had 1.08 million average viewers. On the NFL Network, they had 424,000. That means the, that means the XFL they're retaining viewership. Don't listen to Mike Florio. Don't listen to this clown. Don't listen to that clown. Sit in front of the TV. Watch your eyes. If you are anywhere well, near the city of a game, go to a game. Exactly. And let me say that. Let me say that, especially Florio. He, I feel like that he's dragging this on because he doesn't have a, 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 a hand in the pot right now. So with that being said, he don't, he's not getting anything out of this. So it's like even though, you know, he could be focusing on a lot more. I mean, I'll be honest with you. He could be doing what he normally does and, and, and talking about the Raiders and Derek Carr and all that and, 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 and making uh, bait pieces for the for, for free agency. But he's got a bigger fish to fry right now, which is focusing on something that he's not getting paid to entertain, which is XFL. Now, here is my thing. Just like you said, there are talented athletes in that league. There are guys who are playing with the hunger. Of they, you know, they're trying to extend and actually live their football dreams. And for Mike Florio to sit there and some of these NFL people to sit there and constantly critique this, critique is fine, but to constantly shade it like, you know, like the every game in the NFL is great when you've got the Browns playing the Chargers, which no one wants to see. That's not what we're fitting to do. I appreciate and let's talk about that. Let's 
And let's talk about that. Sorry to cut you off, Pete, because you got a guy like Baker Mayfield who was on GQ and all of these magazines a year ago, and then he what? had What was the differential for his – we talk about Jameis. I mean, he had a bad season, but I, if I'm correct, Baker Mayfield played 16 games and had like 22 touchdowns and 21 interceptions. And we're talking about a guy that got not only Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, all these weapons, and did absolutely nothing. Dropped a dud. He was 21. Actually, he was uh, 22 touchdowns and 21 picks. He was even, basically. And like I said, I appreciate XFL for what these players are doing. These players are, this is a new league. And the only team that should be ashamed of themselves, even them, even the Tampa Bay <laughs> Vipers should be ashamed of themselves. Because they're out there trying. And honestly, like I applaud these men. I applaud these fans. <laughs> I applaud these people for showing up and showing out, you know, not to be that way, but my DC defenders are out there, like, smacking people around, making <laughs> opposing uh, quarterbacks get angry at their own coaches. I'm here for it. <laughs> at halftime. Oh, at halftime. Throwing in shade. Matt McGloin steps back on the field and throws a pick six. First pass. Give me this. I'm going this way with it. For Malik Obi, I am Terrence Biggs. Take care of yourselves and take care of each other. Good night from the Black Tuesday podcast.